Welcome to the Serie A Show. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of the City Ah Show. Nima Chloe, how are you two doing? I'm good. Excellent. After the weekend, yeah. I, I know you're doing excellent. <laughs> so that's where that's where we're going to start because the, now this was all in good fun, Chloe. You and I had someone uh, message you and I and say that uh, our our opinions on Milan were not so good last week. So inevitably, Milan go and play just dreadfully against your Fiorentina. So it worked out perfectly for us. So I have to mention that. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I think we have to start there, yeah? I said Fiorentina were going to demolish them, and I think Fiorentina did demolish Milan. I think this is, you know, I know Mil- I know Maldini came out last week, uh, yesterday uh, and, and said that they have all the faith in the world in Giampaolo and blah, 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 blah. But, um, you know, the, he's, he's a dead man walking. Um, they, I, I, ca- I can't see how uh, this is the worst start uh, that Milan have had to the Serie A season since the night since 1938, um, <laughs> and this is uh, it's just not tenable because it's not you know it's one thing when you when you when you have a situation like like uh, Montella was in with Fiorentina where he was playing well but not winning, but now but Milan, <laughs> I mean like Giampaolo said himself, they look like a team that had never trained together before. Um, and that and that's entirely his mm. problem. That that's that's what we've been saying on this podcast, and that's what what it was clear for everyone to see is that it's it's not working. The players don't have confidence in what uh, in what he's getting asking him them to do. They it's he's lost the dressing room, and I think it's he's he's a dead man walking. I mean, he they play Genoa next week or this weekend. Um, and that's with a with a coach that is also a dead man walking, uh, or or at least you know he's 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 in the risk of losing his job. And that away against Genoa, you know, if unless they win that game, uh, then then he'll you know I still think he'll get sacked. I mean, if the, if he wins it, um, you know, they might buy they might buy him a little bit more time. But I honestly think it's over. There's very little we can say because there's there's really no there's really no positive you can take away from it. Chloe, you and I had someone, or it was the same individual who was he kept harping on the XG, <laughs> the expected goals. And listen, I, I yeah, so listen, I love statistics, but they really only do tell ten percent of the story when it comes to football. The the other ninety is watching, and getting takeaways and 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 listen, your eyes rarely deceive you. If we want to just talk about the XG, okay, great. Uh, Milan's XG, they're the second most underperforming side in terms of XG. Bologna are the worst. They have, uh, Bologna have seven goals when their XG is 13.25. Meanwhile, Milan have scored four goals in six matches, and their XG is 8.02. So even even at six matches, their XG is not good. So I, I don't really know what arguing about XG gets you. Well. It doesn't get you three points. That's that's the, probably the main thing. Well, if we want to talk about just simply, okay, the XG, if we want to talk about it yesterday, um, Fiorentina's XG was just over three, while Milan's was 0.59. Fiorentina, they lived up to the XG, while Milan um, didn't deserve the goal. And 
there was no point in that match, in my opinion, where Milan looked even remotely in it. That was all Fiorentina from the first whistle to the last. But we knew it was going to be like that, didn't we? I mean, Fiorentina are the team in the Serie A that play the best football and have been doing so consistently since day one of this season. I mean... But do you, did you expect it to be that easy, though, Chloe? Because I, I, I thought Fiorentina could have put at least one or two more past them, despite what the XG yeah. says. The way, I, the way I saw it was that... Um, the, the two performances of uh, both Milan and Fiorentina were completely separate things. Um, Fiorentina performed really, really well, um, but it wasn't really that wasn't really linked to how bad Milan were in a way. Um, they, I think, you know, the fact I think I mentioned it on a previous show: the fact that Milan are um, not scoring from open play. And also now the fact that they've already had three red cards this season. To me, that is a massive, massive warning sign that they're they're in trouble. That the the team isn't functioning as it should. And uh, Gianpaolo, I mean, when he conceded the first goal, he was you could see him mouthing from the touchline, Testa Alta with it, you know, heads high. But, but you know what? <laughs> what is that going to do, really? I mean, the game was already lost. It, it, it was uh, it, it just smacked of desperation to me um but on the other hand Fiorentina um were just brilliant they were well organized uh, Montero has got that system working absolutely perfectly uh Ribery is a class act um he he lifts the level of everybody else around him um and it was just you know, it was almost hard to believe that it was Fiorentina I was watching, you know, because it, it's been a long time since they've played like that. Oh, for sure. And and I mean, I just got to say that midfield of Castrovilli, Pulgar and Bardelli, I'm in love with it. Um, I, I can't stop watching them play. It is such a good midfield. They all complement each other so well. And you have Federico Chiesa. As you said, he lifts everybody's uh, level, everybody. But Chiesa, what a player. Is he? I mean, is, he is the best. He's the best player they've had since Rui Costa and Batistuta, without a shadow of a doubt, in my opinion. What a player he is. Um, and it's just everything is just it's like literally you can you could hear it click on match day one and they had a little bit of trouble finding and now and now it's just it's this team for me they are I, I feel I'm upset that Fiorentina aren't in Europe because I would love to see what they could do in, in, in the Champions League or in the Europa League because they play such so damn good football right now. And Castrovilli, I mean when I mean again, this this these these Italian young midfielders like for, for a decade, we don't have any talent, and now it's just we, we can barely learn the name of one before another one comes along. Chloe, you mentioned their disciplinary issues. I just Googled real quick. Milan are last. They have 18 yellow cards and three red cards in six matches. That's, so Jesus. They were all over the place. It's, you know, it's it's just, uh, it's sort of shambles. It is, and and. I, I talked about it's not you know some of the things that tactically we can go on and on about that, but some of the decisions that Gianpaolo makes just Jesus. baffle me. I, what is he doing taking Kessier off? He's the hardest worker in that midfield. You keep Chalanoglu. The the something that passed me by over the summer is the fact um, that they signed Kronich from Empoli. Now mm. I saw I just did a quick Google of him and thought. What you know? Has he been somewhere else? Because I I'm pretty sure that he played for Gianpaolo at Empoli, 
But no, he's been at Empoli the entire time. So he's been at Empoli for like three years and nobody else has picked him up. But suddenly he's good enough to play for AC Milan. That, that just, that just, I thought, oh no, this is, you know, this is a, an indication of um, the kind of poor decisions that are being made. It, it just seemed crazy to me. I mean, the balance, the lack of balance in midfield of Milan is what really gets me. Like you said, okay, you know, Benasser should play in that in that playmaker role for sure because Bilia is unwatchable. But but if you're gonna have like, but but you but you <laughs> you don't if you keep Chalanoglu and take off Kessie, there is literally. I mean, this is it's like it's like Fiorentina's midfield last year with Pioli, where you could literally literally drive a tank through it and it wouldn't hit anyone because there was there was so much space. Um, that they conceded, and they were so um, tech, like tactically unbalanced, and 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 that, that and Fiorentina just took advantage of every single one. And then, of course, you have you know the poor discipline as 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 a result of that because the players feel that they're exposed, and then they get stressed, and then they do stupid things like Musacchio's ridiculous challenge on Ribéry, which is a red, yeah. which is a which which is a red card any day of the week. So, no, I, uh, that's what I'm saying. You know, I like Gianpaolo. I think it was a mistake of bringing him because, for me, he is like Gasparini. He cannot. He just doesn't – he's not good enough at this level. He's not good enough to handle a big club. He should have stayed at Sampdoria, and I hope that he can find another team like that and, and, and go back because I really like the guy. It's just that he is simply not good enough at a big club he cannot handle the pressure no I think that you know he's um it doesn't make him a bad manager overnight I don't think that's that's the issue I think it's part of a larger problem at Milan that um has been going on for several years and there's never really been any kind of solution um to it and you know they've changed ownership twice since Berlusconi left, um, and they're no real closer to sorting out the issues that have have run throughout the club. It, it they need um, a clean slate from top to bottom to be able to sort this. You know, just getting a new manager in is it isn't enough. In my opinion, Spalletti, I think they need to have. I mean, I understand the appointment of Gianpaolo. The the appointment of Gianpaolo was that Milan are supposed to play football on the ground. They're supposed to play this and that. But then you need to also get get a get a manager who can handle the pressure of being at a big club. And I mean, Spalletti is the only one out there who has done that in the past. I mean, he's delivered results at Roma and at Inter. And, and Roma and Inter are much more unstable and crazy places to be at than in Milan, which is pretty, which is generally a very stable environment to work at. So, no, I, I think this, this Giampaolo hiring was just a huge mistake. Um, and and they, they need to sort it out because, and, and I think they will. I mean, I've said it all along the season. He's out before the next uh, international break, and, and I still think that. Uh, and I hope that because he looks miserable. Again, I, I said this on the previous episode. I, th- I think Maldini, I, I think Boban, I, I think Masada. I think they all need to share in the blame in this. And do we want to talk about the report that emerged from Tutto Mercato Web as to who the name was that Milan contacted? Uh, one Shevchenko. <laughs> is that really the? I mean, come on, really? That that's all I could say to that is really. <sighs> 
they've been down that road so many times. I mean, they've burnt, they've burnt out so many of their former legends that it's just turning into it's 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 ridiculous now. At, at least bring Gattuso back if he's still answering your calls after the way you treated him because he did a decent job at least. You know, so I, I, I don't I don't understand why they're doing this because I mean I understand the that they're in a financial you know they need to sort their finances out but but if if they continue with this they're gonna get relegated honestly this is their relegation candidate bad right now and it's not an it's not uh it's not an exaggeration they really are well they better call Gattuso quick because there were reports that Genoa were looking at him could you imagine though let's say they can't convince Gattuso to come back what direction do you go in what direction do you go Spalletti that's the only way I can that's the only way I can think of because he knows how to handle a big club he knows how to handle the pressure he also knows how to turn turn the tide you know he also knows how to take a big club and, and get them to 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 lift and elevate and I also look at that squad and I think that they do have the players they do have the players that can play his four two three one you yes, know I agree I think I yeah. think they do and and, and he's pretty thick skinned you know as much as yeah. we've joked about him he, yeah. he he is thick skinned so I mean. Uh, <laughs> That would be an improvement on Gianpaolo, who seems at the moment like, you know, if you said boo to him, he burst into tears. So, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, he looks that's exactly that's, that's that's a really good point, Chloe, because he doesn't look like he's feeling well at all. He looks miserable, and you compare him to the Gianpaolo in the Sampdoria years uh, era or Empoli, and it's a completely different man. I mean, he looks absolutely destroyed and sad, and I think it's I don't you know I think it's such a shame. It is so. Chloe, Fiorentina, we, you know, early in the season, you don't want to panic. They were at the bottom of the table. Now they find themselves comfortably mid-table. Is this where they put the pedal all the way to the floor and this is where they go? Do you have confidence that Montella has his team now and let's just go from here? Yes, yeah. I think, um, you know, that that very difficult opening period was because we played some really tough sides and the fixture list wasn't kind at all but I had a look earlier on and they play uh, Udinese next and then it's the international break and there are not too many players on international duty so he's got that time to work with the squad again Um, and then it's Brescia, Sampdoria, Parma, there is Lazio in there but um, you know it a lot of the smaller sides coming up next and a real chance to to fire up the table because they're playing with such confidence. And if you ask me, Roma, watch out. This is, uh, you know, I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now on this pod. And again, this, this Fiorentina is good enough to challenge Roma for that fourth spot without a shadow of a doubt. Well, I want to get to a team that we seemingly rode off for the fourth spot, even though they had finished in the top four the previous season, Atalanta. Wow. I, I mean, they're certainly playing significantly better. But aren't they always slow slow, slow starters, though? I mean, isn't that like something they are every year? that they've been Yeah, they've, do, they've done it every year under Gasparini. Yeah. Started so off slow. They are. Um, but maybe we... <laughs> Maybe we overstated how tired they would be from the Champions League, or maybe that hasn't really hit them yet. I don't know what it is. Uh, but I still don't think they'll finish top four. For me, Roma, Roma, and um, Roma, and especially Fiorentina are, are are looking. They have a broad. They have you know they. they it's between those three, um, and add Lazio to that. But I still think that uh, for me, uh, Roma and and uh, 
Fiorentina, in my opinion, have that little bit more consistency, especially in defense and midfield than 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 uh, Atalanta do. That's just my feeling. Yeah, I I agree. It, it, on paper, especially with them being in the Champions League, it, this seems like the season when they're going to tail off. But having said that, every time we say. Oh, they've done so well, Atalanta, but now's probably the time they start to drop. Or, yeah, they, they're really good, but I don't think they can sustain it. And we just keep doing so, and it, they keep overachieving. Every single time you think it's about to come to an end, it, it doesn't end. Um, so, I don't know, I'm kind of a bit wary of, of writing them off because <laughs> they just seem to keep bouncing back whatever happens. Um, and I do think, you know, they, they've got, with a new stadium and with their owner being so sensible in the way that he's invested money and um, the way that their strategy over buying players, they have built something that is um, a bit more sustainable in the long term. Uh, but surely surely they can't get fourth again this year, surely No, not. I, I don't think so. I, I, as I said, I mean, for me, Fiorentina and, and Roma are, are the fourth and fifth team. I, I do think that Atalanta will finish sixth or something like that. Uh, CS sixth, I think, the, the last Europa League squad, or Europa League place. And, and also, let's remember the Coppa Italia as well. I mean, they went really far in that. They could win, they could claim a European place by winning that this year. Um, so no, I, I I I'm not writing them off. I just don't think that they they'll finish top four. Well, one team we can definitively say will not finish top four, Nima Sampdoria. I think we can. <laughs> I think that's a reasonable conclusion we can draw, even though we are not yet in October. Again, I don't know what to say that hasn't already been said about them. Sampdoria's defense terrible, midfield awful, poor Quagliarella. All these seasons, he's been hailed as one of the goal-scoring kings. This poor guy may not even hit six or seven goals this season. Listen, you have the international break coming up, Federo. Just pull the plug on this because that's truly the only way I can see them getting out of this because they have not one defining quality that is positive. Not one. No, no. No, no, Sampdoria are unwatchable right now. And when they score, it's because they're lucky. It's not thanks to some sort of genius tactical mastermind that uh, Di Francesco has been behind. It's it's just utterly unwatchable right now. And it's it's sad to see because um, they they played so well and they, you know, it's it's looked so well these previous years. And it's just, I, I, I just hope they, they need to do something. And that's, an, you know, I hope and I think they will do something. If he loses again... This weekend, um, then, then I think you know, I think I think quite a few managers will go um, because you can still save the season. It's still early on. Uh, you can still save the season, um, but uh, but you have to pull the plug. You have to be quick. They have, have to, to do it now with the international break. You absolutely have to do it now because they have. Yeah. yeah. So they face Two Verona, weeks. then they face Roma, then they face Bologna. If he loses, if he loses against Hellas, which is very much, which is very plausible, because Hellas are a tough team. I mean, that they, they all these newcomers have surprised me a lot because they are so tough. Lecce are really tough to beat. Hellas are a tough team to beat. Brescia, Brescia are also very tough. So you know, look, I mean, they, this, this is they're not, they're not being the whipping boys that we all expected them to be. So. Hellas can definitely beat Sampdoria, and if they do, bye-bye Eusebio. I think that's the last of we'll see of this man in the city. Ah, hopefully, I think, until he learns. No, because he's not good enough. I mean, no, I don't I don't wish him on any team. I, I wouldn't wish him on any team because he doesn't know what he's doing. Well, you know, he, I could think of a couple of teams I would wish him on. I just... 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but I don't because it's just it's just not you know I you know let him go back to the drawing board and and you know get better because he he's just not good enough. He's it's, you know he he looks. You know, it just doesn't look good. He doesn't know what the defense is doing. And it's quite evident now that those years at Sassuolo, they hemorrhaged goals, but then they had an offense that clicked. When when that doesn't click, it's just unwatchable. Um, and, 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 and you can't have a, def- you know, this is, you know, the Zeman age is over. You, you have to have a defense, you know, you have to have a defense and an attack. Uh, otherwise you get destroyed. And, and, and that's just how it is. And the man needs to go. I thought one positive that Inter could draw from that was they rotated very well. Bastoni was sort of somebody who doesn't really get the headlines, but he did very well at Parma in the previous season. And he actually looks like a viable candidate who could step in for any of the three. Yeah, and and that's what he said, uh, Conte afterwards. And he said, you know, Bastoni is not just a future player for the future, but he's also a player for the for the for the present. Uh, half of the Serie A wanted him, but I said no. I was adamant. I wanted to keep him. I wanted to work with him. Now, basically, it's it's this is what Conte wanted, and that's why he was so like hard about it uh, in in the summer that he wanted these players because he knew that in order to succeed on all fronts, he needed to have about twenty twenty two players. Who, who are pretty much of the same level, but that also give you a tactical uh, flexibility. Um, and, he's got, and he's got that. He's got exactly that. And, and that's why it's working so well. But as I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not, you know, I'm not jumping on that uh, Scudetto bandwagon just yet. I, I want to wait until after the Juventus game. If Inter go, go play Juventus and have won that game, then yes, Inter are the you know are leading the are, are are going to challenge Juve for the for the scudetto. There's no doubt about that. But think about it: we're six days. The Serie A is six games, six days old. Inter have six wins, uh, and and Juve have five wins and one draw. So it's you know let's not let's not turn let's not you know I think it's a little bit exaggerated to to you know say oh Juve are bad Juve are this they still have five wins and one draw and the draw came away against the. A Fiorentina away, who I think will destroy any team in the form they're in right now. So no, for me, I, I I'm not going to write Juventus off. But but after this, if Inter manages to beat Juventus, sure. Then then Inter then and Conte knows it that he will have to start adapting to being a top team and being the front runners or or the favorites or whatever you want to call it, because um, you can't you can't just. You, you know you can't play 25% of the league and and go go clean win every game and then pretend that you're not part of the part of the top team or or the favorites to win or anything like that like, you can't you can't blame the media <laughs> you know it's just <laughs> the results speak for themselves chloe anything else that stood out to you on this match day from any of the matches um i thought <laughs> alexis sanchez had an interesting debut <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to bring that up. Uh, it was weird, but I don't think. I mean, for me, the issue is I don't know if it's a, if he's diving or not. I just find if you're gonna if that's a dive, then give it all the way. You know, then then every match we should have yellow cards be handed out. Federico Chiesa will start every game with a yellow card. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like it's just I I just find it. You know, I just think the consistency is what annoys me. But but sure, I mean, yeah, he should have. It was it was a stupid thing to do, um, but but Conte will but, soon stamp that out though. Conte won't won't stand for that for long. No, he won't. <laughs> Conte does not stand for much. No, I mean he looks 
I mean, after the game, what did you see? I don't know if you guys saw it when he, when he, when he's talking to the media. I mean, he 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 talks as if he thinks. I, I, I mean, I know he's aware that there's a camera and an interview situation, but the way he talks, it was with Inter TV when he said that all of a sudden, you know, we were in control and then we get a red card and we get a sending off and they score a goal and I wanted to kill someone. <laughs> Yeah, he means it. He means it. And he means it. He literally means it. Um, but then he quickly goes, but not my players, because I thought they play really well. So it's like, but it's like, it's just, he, 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 he is that extreme. Like he doesn't, he, he does not take nonsense from anyone. And it's, yeah, as, you know, as long as it works, it's good. But Inter on Inter. Um, so when, when it doesn't work and there's a little bit, you know, the things are, the ship isn't steady and he goes off on one. I pity the fool, to quote Mr. T, who goes against him there. That's fair enough. Nima, what about you? Anything that stood out? Uh, I, I, I really got to give it to Lazio and Simone Inzaghi and Immobile. And I really liked their performance uh, again. And uh, Udinese impressed me as well. Um, no, I, I, I think this is, this is a really balanced Serie A, a start to the Serie A, especially in the lower, lower part of the table. Um, I thought, uh, which is really interesting, I, I, the relegation is going to be tighter than we all thought. There's not going to be one clear candidate. Uh, also, Roma impressed me. I thought Roma was really impressive. I think because playing away at Lecce, a tough Lecce side at home, I, I thought they did really well. Um, I, uh, Fonseca's football is, is suits Roma, and these this group of players suits uh, Fonseca. I'm keen to hear what you think, John. Yeah, I, um, I actually thought one to zero was a bit flattering to Lecce. I don't know how we got brought. Thank you to the. To, to one of our listeners who kept mentioning XG because now I can't stop looking at the damn thing. Um, <laughs> I, I think Roma were a bit hard done because their XG was uh, right about three for the match and they only had one. Um, so I, I, I thought they actually did really well in defense. They they didn't look that stressed. I thought Chris Smalling from Manchester United has fit in fantastically I don't know what Fonseca thinks his preferred pair will be, if it'll be Smalling and Gianluca Mancini or Smalling and Fazio, but I think Smalling has certainly earned the right to be a first choice by now. But I, I think they've done good. I still I still think they're trying to find their way. They obviously have a lot of injuries. They're still trying to uh, adapt to the way Fonseca wants them to play. But I, I think that at least at this point, they have the look that they can at least finish top four. Under Eusebio Di Francesco, they never, ever looked sure of themselves. They were always uncomfortable. Their attitude was awful. If they went down a goal, they would drop their heads. They would pout. They would whine. So they have a much different character. They have a much different attitude under Paolo Fonseca. So when they go down a goal, unlike when Eusebio Di Francesco was in charge, you at least feel that this Roma at least has a chance to come back. And I think as well they, they seem to have a look that um, they, there's room to grow and develop, that it's just the start of something. That it's not quite 100% right yet, but as, as time goes on, I think it will start to click more. This is why I thought Roma would finish top four, and, and, and I think they, they still will, but... Um, they, but I, I love Diavara. I mean, just watching him play, watching him distribute, watching him, the way he thinks football is just, mm. it's, 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 and he's so young. He's so, so many years left to improve. Yeah. And 
I just and I and I and I and it's it's going to do Roma a world of good uh, to 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 have him there. I agree. Uh, he's a player. He's a he's a player they can build around. I think Roma's best midfield duo is Veretu, Veretu, and and um, and um, and the Avara because they complement each other so well. It's a very dynamic and intelligent midfield. Uh, behind Pellegrini, of course, who's taken that Tecuartista role and made it his, and it's looking it's it's an impressive. It's an impressive, uh, it's an impressive option up there. Now Roma are exciting. I like this Roma uh, a lot, and, and it's going to be interesting to follow. I agree. So hey, real quick before we go, I think it was Nemo who mentioned uh, Balotelli would score against Napoli. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, come on. What did he do on a corner <laughs> kick? He buries home. Actually, a perfectly placed header. Now, yeah. So so Brescia lose two to one, but I'm curious to hear your opinion each of your opinions before we go because napoli i now koulibaly didn't play in this one it was maximovic i just don't like how they look at the back i I, there's just something about it i i i can't put my finger on it because i i mean in the champions league against liverpool they look fantastic um but there's just something about it in the league I, i i i just can't put my finger on it about napoli because we all thought right that this would be the season where they challenged for the scudetto yeah and I don't know what it is. I just don't like how unbalanced, particularly at the back, that they look. Is that something that concerns either of you? Yes. Yeah. I think that they um, they're very erratic still. Uh, there's a lot of work to do. I mean, they they won against Brescia, but they they didn't look great, especially in the second half. Um, and uh, they, I think. I do. I honestly think it's a midfield issue. But having seen it at Fiorentina last year, uh, the fact that the the backline is so exposed at times, I think I just don't think the setup of the midfield is quite right. And when it works, it works. That's fine. But when it doesn't, then they they get themselves into trouble. And he's. I, I just think he needs to make a couple of tweaks um, to to get them playing well on a consistent basis. I mean, we've talked about the fact he's a, a good cup manager and and maybe this will be the season that they do well in the Champions League. But if they don't, and they don't do well in the league either, then they've taken a big step back since Sari left. Mm, I, I think you're absolutely right. I was going to say exactly what you said, Chloe, re-midfield. Re I don't think that they found the balance in midfield and therefore their back four is, is left exposed and therefore they, you know, Koulibaly and, and Manolas make these mistakes where they go clumsy, lunging into challenges because they're stressed and they don't feel secure. So I, I think it's a midfield issue as well. Um, but uh, I, for me, it's it's uh, it doesn't, to me, it's also, this is classic Ancelotti. It doesn't seem like He's there to sort of deliver in the Champions League. It feels almost. It, it's as if they don't. The 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 body language of the team in in the Serie A. They don't seem to take it seriously. Uh, they don't seem, in my opinion, at least that's how I read the tea leaves. Uh, they don't. It feels that they're they're they, they they he's there to make them deliver and give Napoli a good running Europe. Um, and and that's how they're built. And he can do it. And they have the players to do it. But um, I think I think they'll finish top three comfortably. I just don't see them challenging under Ancelotti for a Serie A win. Yeah, it's just something about them at the back. I, I just, again, I can't put my finger on it. I, I do think there's a bit of an unbalanced in the formation issue, but yeah, it remains to be seen if Ancelotti will change things. So that is where we're going to end it. We will be back as usual later in the week. So we have Inter Juve. So that is definitely one we will be talking about. Very exciting. 
We have Torino, Napoli, Roma, Cagliari, Bologna, Lazio, Atalanta, Lecce, Fiorentina, Udinese, Verona, Samp, Genoa, Milan, which will certainly have managerial implications. So, as always, thank you so, so much for listening. We will talk to you in a couple of days. So, until next time, bye-bye.